Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. If you missed last week's episode, it was with what I like to call the Jedi Master of Facebook Marketing and Growth. She knows how to build audiences on Facebook because she knows everything about Facebook. (laughs) And she's done it time and time again. So we interviewed Rachel Miller. And if you're looking to grow your Facebook audience and figure out how that whole big, crazy platform works, she's the one to listen to. So check out that interview. She's full of energy and excitement. Um, today we're going to be talking to somebody by the name of Jeff Cook. Uh, Jeff has an incredible background. He is a serial entrepreneur, um, and he started his first company from a Harvard dorm room. So yes, he's Harvard educated, and he sold it for millions of dollars at the age of 24, and then he sold his second company at $100 million. So yes, he's doing pretty good there, Um, and he is now the founder of another company called PodCoin, and we're going to talk about what that's all about today, but that does have to do with some of uh, the app world. He's uh, in the consumer app world. Uh, So we're going to talk about what it's takes to build these companies, how to get traction with apps, and some of the keys to his success and how he's selling these companies. So we're going to dive into that in just a minute uh, with Jeff Cook. And so Uh, Also, guys, just a really exciting time coming up because we have issue 28 of Change Creator Magazine that's going to be out soon, and it is with the one and only Blake Mykoski. He's obviously a legend in the social impact space, so we were really pumped, and it's like, what's Change Creator Magazine without having somebody like Blake Mykoski on the cover, right? So finally, we were able to lock that in, and we had a really cool video interview, and he even wore a sombrero during that interview, so you can check that out. We're going to be releasing some snippets of that interview. interview on Facebook. So make sure you're following us on Facebook. That's where you're going to catch those things. And uh, he, he just gave this really great discussion. I mean, he's full of passion, this guy, and he's doing all kinds of stuff. And um, he talks about some of the lessons he's learned, which are really valuable through his experience with this one-for-one model, uh, but also just about life in general. He's on a whole new journey. So you're going to see another side of Blake. Um, and so we highly uh, recommend you check out that magazine and that interview. You're going to get a lot out of it. So we're excited about that one. Uh, We're almost at issue 30. It's a big milestone. So uh, plugging away. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, don't forget to leave us, you know, uh, reviews and those big thumbs up five star reviews on the uh, iTunes platform and Google Play and stuff like that. We really appreciate it. All right, so let's get into this episode with Jeff. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're gonna dig this. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, you have a huge resume and you have a lot of things going on in your world. So we're going to dive into some of that. But I, I'd like to just understand, um, you know, wh- what's the, the latest and greatest? What, do you ha- what are you working on these days? Yeah. So, I mean, the two things that I think we're, we're working on the most right now, one is the live streaming uh, video platform. So, uh, you know, we started this live streaming video platform only about 15 months ago, uh, grew it to more than 80 million in revenue in, in just a, a short period of time, uh, grew it to almost a million daily active users uh, who are live streaming every day. Um, and then the other thing that's, that's pretty recent is uh, an incented listening platform called PodCoin that basically pays you to listen to podcasts. Um, and so b- both of those things are, are two of the, you know, the main projects we're working on right now. And what was the name of the live streaming platform? 
Uh, so it goes across all of our apps. We, we have uh, four big apps. One is Meet Me. Uh, Lavu, Tagged, and Scout. So we have these social communities. Uh, and what we did with, they're each uh, like a, a dating, social dating, social chat community. And what was new about it was that we added live streaming on top of this, what had been a, a text-based chat community. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Very cool. Um, cool, so we'll, we'll tap into that stuff a little bit more, uh, but I wanna give people and yourself just the opportunity to understand some more uh, the, uh, the background you have. So if, I wanna give you a chance just to tell people, like in a nutshell, um, what led you to these current projects? I, you have a pretty extensive background, so maybe you can try to sum up some of the things you've done and how you got here today. <laughs> Sure. So um, I started my first company back in 1997 as a sophomore at Harvard. I was basically looking for a side job um, and uh, you know, didn't want to work at a, at, a, at a library, essentially. So just started, uh, uh, asked myself, what, what could I do? The answer to that was write and edit. So I started an editing business, grew it to uh, millions of dollars of revenue, a few hundred contractors, ended up selling that um, a few years after I graduated. Um, then worked under kind of a, a, a contract for a couple of years, left to start um, my yearbook along with my brother and sister who were 10 and 11 years younger than me at the time. Uh, this was now in 2005. Uh, in 2011, I sold my yearbook for $100 million in cash and stock to a public company. Um, then I, I kind of came back as CEO of that public company uh, about a year later and um, continue to run it today. Uh, what, what, what I've been doing um, in the last three years has really been building this live streaming video platform out and then acquiring other apps. And in the last you know, three years, we acquired four sizable apps um, spending you know, uh, in, in the neighborhood of, of you know, $180, million, yeah. $180 million. Okay. Yeah, some pretty exciting stuff. And I and correct me if I'm wrong, but you also um, won Entrepreneur of the Year from Ernst & Young, correct? Yes, for Philadelphia. For Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, you, have you ever lived in Philly? I, I see that you live in Princeton, but did you ever live in Philly? No, you know, I, that, that was the, uh, the area that uh, I guess the, they, they tie your business to. And, and our business is in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Ah, I love New Hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah me from, too. <laughs> uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I was right in Central Jersey. So Lambertville, New Hope, that area, I was very familiar yeah. with. And then I lived in um, with my wife in Philadelphia for six years, which is why it caught my curiosity. Where in Central Jersey? Um, I was in Flemington, uh, which okay. is, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you actually know, know Flemington? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Pennington for a while. Oh, yeah, okay, nice. Uh, and and uh, I'm from South Plainfield, New Jersey, originally. Awesome. Okay. Very good. We got some roots together. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So you're you're working on the live streaming and you got Podcoin. And before we go a little further in that, um, I I feel like because of your history, you you've done a lot as far as starting a company, but also growing the company and even selling those companies and. You know, with our audience listening today, I, I think these are pretty hot topics. You know, everybody wants to know, right, how, how you're growing the companies <laughs> and stuff like that. And there's always the real high level, um, you know, anecdotes around that stuff. But I'm curious, just because you've had a number of experiences now, have you seen any trends? Like if you were like you are now, you started Podcoin, like what are some of the steps besides, you know, dumping major marketing dollars into it that you would advise for people um, 
that they should be aware of when trying to grow and really get those first three years moving? Yeah. I mean, for like a consumer mobile app, so, so most of what I, I think about is like consumer mobile apps, but for, for something like that, you know, I think it's, um, it's difficult. Like there's no, there's no question <laughs> Yeah, to get something to break through is, is ridiculously hard. I mean, you, people only use something like a couple dozen apps a month. Um, and you know, to, to break into that set is, is, is just really hard. Yeah. And so I think one of the ways that I tend to think about that problem is, you know, is there some novel solution? Like the, the novelty factor on an idea needs to be really high because if, if people have seen it before, or if it's just like a tiny bit different than some other thing, it's like a, a feature added on to something else like that, that almost certainly won't work, um, from my standpoint. Um, so the novelty factor has to be high, but it also has to kind of be a good experience it has to solve some problem that people like may not know they have, but that, that, that they do have. Um, and then I think the other piece of it, and, and I don't think novelty is enough, but, but I think then the other piece of it is like, how can you, um, because even if you have access to marketing dollars, you don't want to spend them, right? Like, um, the, the question, you, you, there aren't too many apps that are really made because of their marketing spend. Um, so how do you get into these communities and get adopted? Like, how can you turn some of your first adopters into your salespeople? And like that, that's another thing that, that, uh, I, I think we're trying to do with, with Podcoin that we've, we've done in the past as well. Yeah, I think that's a big one. And I've seen some companies with serious success app or otherwise that had smart um, ambassador programs, basically, mm, and yeah. they really inspired their early adopters. Um, you know, they did something unique and cool, like the idea was cool. But once you get them on board, how do you incentivize them to be your marketer? I, so, uh, you know, you, you said that, and I think it just really kind of hit home because I I think, you know, for anyone listening, that that is a huge win. And I'm seeing it more and more. You know, these affiliate programs are one thing, but these ambassador programs can be quite powerful. That's right. And so, like, an example of this is, like, in the PodCoin case right now, um, we, you know, we, we know that a problem that podcasters have is getting listeners. And, you know, we made it really easy to claim your podcast for free on the platform if you're a podcaster. Um, and then if you did, so we, we essentially through promotion inside of the app and how we rank podcasts, we're able to give you a lot more listening minutes, like drive 30 to 40% of our listening minutes just to the people who the podcasters who have claimed. And in order to, to be claimed, you essentially have to, um, do a mid roll ad somewhere, uh, in, in, in your podcast. So, so we are finding hundreds of podcasters willing to do that. And, you know, obviously that drives new users through the door. Tell me about it a little bit here. You know, Change Creator is a podcast. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, you know, you're talking about bringing people on board and they get paid to listen on PodCoin. And this is based on an advertising model, it sounds like. So you have a mid-roll ad. Um, and is is how do you align the relevancy of the ad to the topic of the show? Yeah. So actually we, we are pre-revenue. So, so, so PodCoin is a, is a, is a new concept and I think we have a good sense of how it would monetize, but you know, taking it back a, a step. So, yeah. so basically what PodCoin is, is a, a loyalty points program for podcasts. So rather than 
you know, uh, listening to podcasts and earning nothing, which is the typical experience. This basically allows you to earn this currency called PodCoin, which you can then redeem for Starbucks gift cards or Amazon gift cards or, or various things. And the idea being that you know you're spending your time inside of an app. You're you're giving. Uh, you know, information about what your listening habits might be and, and what other podcasts you might listen to if you like, listen to this one. So, so, so the platform's clearly getting some value out of this. Um, and the idea being while we're pre-revenue right now, you know, we, we've run enough mobile apps to know that, you know, you can typically monetize these things at, I don't know, 20 plus cents. Our, our live streaming video function monetizes much better than this, but, but let's say 20 cents per, per hour, uh, per user hour. And so, you know, if you, if you have your, your pod coin earning rate less than that, you know, you're likely to, 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 to have some profit. So, so, so we're, we view kind of the pod coin as kind of a marketing expense, a reason to, to, to have people come in. Um, but the, the, the ultimate idea is then the, the potential monetization hook down the road is, and, and down the road typically means like when I, when I build these consumer apps, the, I normally am not thinking, well, how do I monetize at day one? Because I think if you're, if you're doing that, you're kind of missing the point. Like if you monetize day one on a consumer app, you, there's really no chance <laughs> at all, right? Like it, you need hundreds of thousands of DAU probably to, before you even have that, that, that thought, but you, you should have at least a pathway. And I think the pathway here is, We've found that by making small variations in the podcoin earning rate, like a half penny per hour, for example, that we could drive thirty percent of the listening minutes to certain to a subset of podcasts that would ordinarily, you know, n- not be discovered. And so that you know, in the future, and I don't know how long the future is, maybe some months from now, maybe maybe years from now, um, you can you can imagine how that could be powerful in driving people um, to to particular podcasts and how that could be monetizable. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And okay, so so and how many? I guess I'm curious. You're you're bringing on podcast shows. How are you guys getting shows involved with you guys now? You know, it's been just very. This is just a new initiative. It was you know we, we have probably 21 teams um, at at the Meet Group, um, and 20 of them are are more or less on either live streaming video or subscription and one team is on this. And, <laughs> and so it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of an experimental concept, but we, you know, we, we've always been of the, I don't know if you followed like the Google, Eric Schmidt used to talk about like, you know, 20% time and like have, having 70% of the resources be on core business, yeah. 20% on adjacencies, 10% on blue sky. Like, yeah, I don't know if we subscribe to those particular percentages, but you know, I think having, having blue sky concepts and, you know, we view um, podcasts and audio as almost like the flip side of live streaming video, right? Because yeah. the video is really lean in. You know, you're chatting with the with the broadcaster. You're maybe sending gifts. It's you know, kind of this immersive thing. And in, in, in the podcast thing, you know, you, you're you're often feeling some human connection. Like people often feel like they're in the room, um, yeah. but it's more lean back. Like you're driving a car. You're maybe running. Like, but you're you're following the conversation. So. So, you know, we see it as, as just kind of another place. Like our users are sometimes driving to work, listening to podcasts, and sometimes they're interested in dating and, 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 and in connecting to people via live streaming. And so, you know, we, we view it as kind of a, you know, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting. And there is an inti- intimacy to it, but also that convenience factor. And, you know, even ourselves, we've been 
We've been audio only for a few years now, and I, you know, we've started doing some of the video-based interviews very selectively. Um, just, you know, I'm not sure. It's almost like our our you know beta test in a sense too, because I find that the conversation uh, there's distraction in a sense when you have video and you and mm. instead of just audio. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but when you have like you're on screen and you're trying to stare at a webcam, like it's it's very different <laughs> experience. And when you're just listening, I like what you said. You feel like you're in the room and um, it's a more intimate conversation. Um, I, I yeah. found it's a very unique differentiation. But uh, yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, I, I'm a avid podcast listener, of course, and you know, I think that. You know, you often see these changes into the industry where like people are trying to, well, let's see if we can create two minute podcasts or like super, sh super short segment or the video podcast. And it's like, or maybe the format works for a reason, you know, <laughs> like, like right, this, this right. kind of long form content that's audio, uh, that's typically audio, right? Like it, it works for a reason. Um, I, I think we do, we do have some thoughts on, on maybe live podcasting down the road. Um, but you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the vast majority of minutes. I, I think the current model is, is more likely to be the winner. Seems to be. I mean, I love taking, like, I like when there's a really great question that you can use and sample, like take a, a, a quick, like one to, to three minute sample from the show and then you can use mm -hmm. it as a social media hook. Right. 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 Um, right. And that's fun when you have video. That's what I love the video for. Mm. Um, but I feel like when you do the video as the actual interview, I don't know, like these conversations are good, but when I can like have my head down and my notepad out and I don't have to focus on the screen, I feel like the conversation is a little bit more in depth, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's just interesting, uh, talking points and stuff and the platforming that the site looks good for PodCoin and it looks interesting. I mean, I think the concept is interesting. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see how that develops and where it goes. Yeah, no, we're excited to, to see where it goes. You know, the other thing people can do, and you know, we have an advisor on our, on our advisory board, um, who's, uh, the head of, uh, or, or one of the heads of the Alex's lemonade stand foundation, um, which is a, a childhood cancer, mm. uh, charity. And, um, you know, it didn't occur to me when we were first thinking of this idea that, you know, there's always, you know, that you can run for, and often like you, you run or you bike and, and people yeah. give you, you know, some, some money per mile. And that, that's a, that's a, a way people raise money for <laughs> charities, you know, but there's people who can't run and they can't bike and through no fault of their own. And so like, is there a way for those people to, to, um, to, to potentially participate, uh, through their time and attention and, you know, pot, pot point is essentially that. Uh, you know, we, we do work with charities and, and you can donate your pod coin, um, to, to about a dozen different charities who work with us, um, as well. So you don't have to redeem it for gift cards and, and many of our, our users actually use it that way. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, so you mentioned that the pod coin can go towards gift cards and things like that. So now you're also saying it can be selected for charities and, uh, I have seen things where actually we have friends who are uh, running an interesting business called Atlas and they do what you're talking about. They, they raise money through this app where you run for change and stuff like that. Mm. And so they're kind of doing that. And I never really thought about, well, what about the people, <laughs> what about the people that can't do that? Right. So I think it's a good concept. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we were kind of keyed in on that, but then we had kind of had that conversation and, and it just made a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is interesting. 
Um, okay, and how long how long's Podcoin been going right now? I know it's just a test at this point. Yeah, um, so it's been out for about four months. Uh, we launched it <clears throat> in December, and then um, you know we've we've been expanding it since. Great. So Jeff, let's let's switch gears just a little bit from Podcoin, and uh, you know we can circle back around on that if we uh, have some things to cover. But I, I kind of want to hear a little bit about live streaming and this idea of more human connection. I think you know more than ever today, the the idea of live streaming, whether it's Facebook Live or you know doing an Instagram, you know you know a live session and things like that. Even I think is YouTube doing live now? I don't even I don't even know. I'm not I'm not too big into YouTube, but in, it anyway. does. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting into the live streaming space and it's like, you know, you have Facebook watch and stuff and you can have your own shows basically. And geez, who needs cable TV anymore almost. But um, tell me a little bit about like why you decided to get into that and about the connection factor behind it from your perspective. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So we have had this fairly sizable, you know, millions of users, uh, community for some time. And, and people were always chatting and a key metric for us was chats per day. And yet you log into the community and you're, you're seeing people near you that you can chat with and, or that you are already chatting with. And it felt kind of flat, right? Like it's profile pictures and, and you can have multiple profile pictures and you can put interesting things in your profile, but you know, there might be a hundred thousand people online right now. And yet it seems super flat. Like you're just browsing through these profiles and the beauty of live streaming video is it suddenly makes, you know, personalities and makes the thing come alive. So like it, it takes it from being like a collection of profiles to kind of feeling like the nightclub or, or the bar, you know, kind of a, a coffee house, like this ga casual gathering spot where, you know, people are having all these conversations and you can jump in here or you can go into that room there. Um, and you're, you're, you're actually seeing someone and, you know, in the dating space in particular, you know, I think there's this thing about authenticity, right? Like, is that picture even them? Is it them 10 years ago? You know, is it the best picture of them taken on their best day with the best lighting? You know, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is this? What is the person really like? Also, you know, what does a picture really tell you about a person? What does what your voice sound like? You know, what, what, you know, can you get any sense of how, you know, if they have any quality and, you know, it's hard to tell any of that, um, except through video. And so live streaming, you know, I think kind of is such a natural for kind of dating and social meeting, uh, apps. And so, you know, we actually first saw it though, uh, in China. So China was the first place where we've ever seen uh, live streaming married to a dating app. And it was on an app called Momo a very big app in China. Um, and so we, we saw that in 2015, uh, we, we launched our live streaming solution in 2016. And I think we were among the first, if not the first uh, kind of Western brand in the dating space to, to add it. Mm, interesting. And that was on the, and that was on our meet me app. Okay. And we've since added it to our tagged app, which is an African American meeting app, as well as our, our Lavu app, which is a European dating brand. So then it sounds like, you know, with all these different apps and programs you're putting together there, you do keep a, a, a very niche focus with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we, we know who the audiences are that we're trying to serve. Um, and, you know, we see live as kind of an enabler of that, that audience. So we, we didn't see live as our way of expanding, you know, tagged, for example, beyond the, 
the African American demographic or your Lavu out of Europe. It's it's more okay. You know, we have this existing large base of users. Can we get thirty percent of them to spend thirty minutes a day uh, watching live streams in addition to the time they already spend on the platform? Mm, got it. Yeah, and so you know you have this big audience because you know implementing something like live streaming. Um, obviously I have to imagine is a, a fair bit of development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, you know, we, we literally have, you know, 17 out of 21 teams on the live streaming portion. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they're not all just working on, you know, the, the bits of live streaming, but, but also, you know, as you can, I'm sure can imagine, you know, there's moderation demands, right? Like live streaming at scale. Um, you know, we, we have you know, about 200 people who, who, who are do nothing but, uh, moderation. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. That's a big operation. Um, but I think, you know, the most valuable part of this topic, you know, for our listeners is, you know, the value and benefit of live streaming, um, because, you know, you're connecting people, right. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, you might use live streaming for the same benefits because you have a chance to connect with people, and, you know, there's a, tr- a trust building factor there because you just like you said, you know, who knows what those pictures look like in the dating world and all that kind of stuff. And you get to see someone, you know, live. Um, it's a different dynamic and you can earn a different level of trust. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you can. I think you absolutely can. And, and I think where we you know are going with this is, is you know, we've already kind of doubled and tripled and quadrupled down. But, you know, we're right now, all of the, the streaming activity we have, all of the live video activity is this broadcast media. It's almost this like one to many kind of, or few to many media, almost like a podcast, right? Yeah. Few to many. Um, and, you know, dating, of course, lends itself to one-on-one. And so we actually are going to be launching uh, one-on-one live streaming this, this summer. And that, that'll take it, you know, in the whole new area. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe a few quarters later, we'll launch a uh, group video uh, where we'll enable maybe people to talk about topics or things that are important to them. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, so I, I, something that caught my attention earlier, just about one of your companies that you started, um, if you don't mind me just kind of diving back a little bit, um, I have a question for you, which is you said you got into an editing and writing business. Is that right? That's right. That's right. When I was at Harvard. Mm. And how did I'm curious on how you grew that, especially, you know, I guess I don't know what year that was, but it was, you know, a different time and stuff. And I'm curious how, because you sounds like you built it up to a pretty substantial size and what some of the steps there were and and worked out for you. I mean, that was my first business. And so it's kind of dear to my heart. Um, yeah, I, I started originally as a side job and like my first year, um, it was really just like, ah, you know, the worst that'll happen is I learned something about making a website in e-commerce because I did everything my, myself. And like, I literally took a five or $600 advance out of, off a credit card. Um, because I needed money. The whole reason for, for doing this exercise was that I was, otherwise I was going to get a job. So, but I thought, Hey, even if I don't make any money and no one wants to buy anything, uh, it, it's, a, it's not really a big deal. You know, at least I'll learn a little bit about e-commerce, but, um, you know, my, my first year, I thought it was like the best side job ever. I made $10,000 and you know, that's, that's probably more than I would have made if I had a side job. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I, I took an internship as like a lot of students do. Um, but in the night I would, and it was at an internet company in Denver that I took this internship, but at night I would work on, on this business. And, 
you know, um, by my junior year, it was $40,000, but I was still doing all the editing. So then it was like, Oh my God, this is like a chore. Um, but it was still good money. I was probably making 60 bucks an hour, you know, something like that. And then I was like, okay, you know, at the end of that year, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to take a job. I'm just going to, going to go work on this. Um, so my girlfriend at the time and I, um, and she's now my wife, we actually rented a house, did nothing but work on this business. And by my senior year, I didn't do any editing. I just hired people, um, and we did 300 grand and then it would grow, grow to five plus million, um, you know, in, in, in the next few years. So, so, and it was basically in college, uh, admissions essays, business school, personal statements. It was, um, resumes. We were the resume writing to hot jobs in the wall street journals, career journal site for, uh, when, when I, when I still, uh, was, was owning it. So it was a great, it was a great little business. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. And it's one of those straight line stories. Like a lot of, a lot of stories are pivot stories. That was like a, Hey, I need a side job. And then it just, you know, kind of, kind of got big. So it sounds like you were taking on any kind of writing work. Yeah, it was really admissions and resumes. So like those key things, those key documents that people might pay for, Got right? It. Like, you know, not, not necessarily like the business writing or that you might do or book writing, but more like that, you know, this, this thing that you need in order to get through some gate. Got it. Yeah. And I've seen, I think you can, I think people can charge a pretty penny for resumes and stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and a good resume writer is worth it, right? Um, because, you know, it might help you get that position and get noticed. And, and, you know, resume writing and admissions, you know, essays, like, these are all just a skill. So, like, those services, they weren't writing it for you. You had to bring your stories. And, but, like, being you know, a good editor can work with you. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, you know, to frame up the language properly and all that kind of stuff, I, I assume. Exactly. And, and just to evoke the right questions, stories, right? Like, like and, and someone to tell you like this stinks that that, that often is helpful, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because a lot of times you'll give it to someone and they won't tell you that. Right, right. I guess through your experience too, what have been some of the bigger challenges? Um, I mean, you're talking about selling companies at a hundred million dollars and things like that, which is, you know, that's that's big picture stuff. That's that's big. You know, we're talking with companies that make you know seven figures, but you're talking about a million and stuff like that. Um, and I'm just curious through the experience of now that you've had with these companies, you know, what were some of the challenges uh, that you've had that maybe were big life lessons in business? <laughs> Anything come to mind? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's been so many, like, like I, I tend to look at these things as kind of chapters, right? Like yeah. it will be, you know, these aren't straight line stories where like, Oh, and then, you know, I started the company and then I sold it and it was kind of this up and to the right thing that just happened until the day I sold it. Right. Like it, 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 it's almost never that way. Like you're often on the brink of disaster or, you know, you're, you're worried about, you know, something that's existential. Um, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, layoffs, you know, think things like that, you know, ad rates move against you. Um, investors are upset. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's just kind of one thing after the other. And I think the, the thing to, to the, that, that the kind of you hang your hat on and makes you want to keep doing it is the creation aspect, right? Like you're trying to create something new and interesting that hopefully people like, and, you know, if you're able to do, that's the stuff that I like the best, like the, the, the kind of what's the next thing we're going to be building. Why is that going to work? And, 
the, the reality is that you have to also realize that like probably it won't right like but but it can, <laughs> but but occasionally it does and when it does it can really work yeah i mean and that's the thing though because every time you want to try a new idea there's a level of work that you have to put into you know not you don't have to go crazy but like it's just you have limited time and you got limited resources. So every time you want to test out something, there is a level of work and time that goes into it. Um, did you find it challenging? Were you doing things at the same time and spreading yourself thin at all and stuff like that? Um, well, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, as a student, I would probably say like, when we go back to the college days and starting the business, like, at the time, yeah, I was probably spread pretty thin, but, but then by, by senior year, I was basically like, wow, this is kind of exceptional, right? Like uh, uh, this is a significant business. Um, there's no question which should win here, right? Like I'm going to go to class as little as humanly possible. Right. Um, and so, you know, that, that was kind of an easy decision. Um, in terms of, you know, you know, there'll be a lot of demands for your time from, from investors or from others. And, you know, if there's key product decisions or key things you got to do to be moving the actual business forward, like that's where you should be spending your time. And like, I think ultimately, like a lot of people understand that, like, if, Hey, don't meet with me if you got to go grow the business. Right. Um, now, uh, of course, some people will still, um, make demands on your time, but yeah, I mean, being spread thin is, is kind of just part and parcel. And I think, you know, what, what, what helps with that though, is just personal decisions, right? Like if, if you can, you know, if I'm able to work out in the morning, that's a good day, right? Yeah, <laughs> no matter yeah. kind of what happens, what happens after, or, you know, if I can, you know, read to my kids when I, when I, you know, at night, like that, that's, that, that's good. So as long as you have some of these kind of routines and kind of humanizing, uh, routines, I, I think, I think it helps with the stresses of the day. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's hard. It's hard to commit. And that's something I mean, my wife and I are debating all the time. And uh, we're super busy people. And you get so uh, focused on what you're trying to do each day that you may not eat or you know you should run for, you know, run a mile or go and uh, meditate or whatever your routine is. And those things are a very small fraction of your time throughout the day. Yet you still feel that you can't tear yourself away <laughs> to go do it right. it's it's right. discipline it's discipline and and a lot of it really does come come down to that but then you know it, it's also true that if you keep it up you know it gets a lot easier <laughs> yeah it becomes habit right you really right, just start right. making it a part of your normal routine yeah that makes sense yeah. that makes sense um, I think that we're, we're getting to the end of the, the time here. Um, but where can people, I mean, you have a number of apps and stuff, but is there maybe yeah, if I, a shout out for some stuff? Sure. I mean, given this a podcast, I'll, I'll shout out to PodCoin. Uh, give that a try. Or if you're interested in, in meeting people or live streaming, uh, the meet me app would probably be the, the good one to start with. Yeah. And, and I'm actually just one thing I'm curious as we wrap up, I don't think you have, but have you ever had to raise funding for anything? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've raised hundreds, hundreds of millions of, of dollars o over the course of time. Okay. Um, really? oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, I, I the, you know, I, the, my yearbook business, actually I, I signed a $750,000, uh, financing deal three days after I graduated, um, for, for my first business, the, oh. the editing business. So I did an angel round. Um, and I, ra I raised, uh, about 17, 18 million dollars in venture capital for, for, for the, the, the business I sold in 2011. 
Hmm. Uh, but but on top of that, I'd raised you know another twenty to thirty million in venture debt, um, and then uh, you know as part of a, as a public company now that I run, uh, you know we've raised uh, well in excess of a hundred million dollars. Huh. Yeah. Any, um, I mean, you're, you're playing in big numbers <laughs> and obviously with different track records, but any tips on raising funding for the, uh, the entrepreneurs that were, that are on the line listening? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's an app, you know, like I, you know, I, I, I tend to say bootstrap as long as you can don't raise as long as you can. Now it's not always the reality that you, that you can not raise, but you know, the, the entrepreneurs who don't raise and are successful, um, that's always a better story than the entrepreneurs who raised and were successful. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, some milestones I've heard that some investors look at these days are like 10,000 DAU, you know, if, if you can prove your thing out, if you had a mobile app, let's say to, if you got 10,000 DAU and you're looking at day 30 retention rates of 20% or more, and I realize those are really high numbers, um, then, then you've got, you know, something that's probably quite, easily fundable, especially if you had of a, you know, especially if you have some good backstory or like, you should be able to figure that out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but, but like if, if you're, if you're sitting there at, with a 500 DAU or, or even worse, you know, just an idea that you want funded, that's not really the way to go about it. Like you, you, you got to just figure out whatever the heck you need to do to get the first version out, get some users on it. You know, people want to back something they can see. Yeah, and can you just for the audience, can you define DAU? A daily active user. So, like, how many users are actually on your app every day? Yeah. All right. Awesome. Listen, uh, Jeff, appreciate your time. Sounds like you're doing a lot of cool stuff, and uh, we'll keep an eye out on Podcoin and see uh, where that goes. But um, I think any final words on your end? Are you good? Uh, no, that's great. You know, I thank you for uh, having me today. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here and we'll be in touch. All right. Take care. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Thank you.